Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to First Trade, the show where we're educating new investors and traders. We recognize that some of us are experienced traders and some of us aren't. That's why we wanted to level the playing field and make the market accessible to everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, all right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to First Trade, episode 10. Uh, wow, we made it 10 episodes in, um, which is kind of crazy. Time seems to be like flying by with this show. We only do it once a week, but it seems like the weeks are even flying by. Um, Michael, what is up? How's it going? Michael here is our resident stock uh, expert. He is, in fact, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, the smartest trader in the entire market. So that's why he's on this show teaching you. And I am clearly the dumbest. Um, folks, Michael Murray. That was a bit usual from our different intro. I usually don't get introduced in a positive light. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. And I'm not going to take it because I'm definitely not smart. However, I've been holding on to Torchlight. Held it through the lows. Uh, it did bounce today, so I'm kind of happy about that. But I, I, mean, I did do it think it bounce to anything above our entry price. No, in fact, it's not even close to that number. You're but fired. I, take prog- I take progress You're in fired. small steps, Donald. Okay. You're fired. I'm looking for small progress here. I don't want to die. So no, I do think when it's they interesting. Ask you how you are? You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. They ask you. I don't want to hear that. Okay. Listen. <laughs> Listen, it bounced a little bit. I'm kind of happy about that. But I, I do think it's kind of crazy that we made it to episode 10. Plus, we have our first repeat guest on today, which is pretty dope. True, but, true. Uh, Special no, episode. It's, it's it's cool, man. Yeah. I mean, when we first started the show, like, you didn't know how to trade. I was still thin. Uh, yeah, it was it was a different time in our lives. But now we're here. The good old days. We're nah. back with our repeat guest. There we go. In fa- Yeah, so Mike gave it away there. Guys, we have, by popular request... Uh, Mr. John London, a.k.a. Beginner Trading, back on the show, back on First Trade to teach you guys some chart reading. We're going to go over a little bit more advanced stuff when you're thinking about day trading using charts. Um, and I don't know if you know this, Mike. I don't know if John knows this, but he actually is the highest viewed episode of First Trade. Um, so his episode, really? the, his episode was Pat the best performer. back, John London. So That's there's awesome, a reason dude. he's back here. Um, and this time, and this time, of course... Uh, we remembered uh, your feedback. We will be including charts in this episode, considering that it's actually about charts. I don't know why we didn't think about that the first time. I think we didn't know what we were doing the first time we did yeah, this. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair to say. Um, and, well, I am at my desk now, and it's a lot easier to actually do stuff on the show rather than being on stage. Um, so this this is a plus. But anyway, Mike. Should uh, we break into it? Should we? Yeah, well, why don't we just get into it? Yeah, let's hit it. All right, folks. Let's 
Is it about that time? I think it's about that time. Let's break it up this time and not say it's about that time. Let's just say it's time. Here's John London beginner trading. <laughs> what just kind of, I, what, that what, wasn't what, the best sound to use in the moment. What, what I mean what to say is, I was trying to say like, like, I need a sound that says like, "Stop it, shut up," you know, like because it is about that time. But anyway, right. let's bring him let's, on. Let's, let's, let's do get it. To, let's yeah. What's up, guys? Hey, what's I'm glad on, to be John? back here. Y'all have me cracking up in in the bag here. I'm just laughing. Uh, this the laughing was really funny too as I came on. But it's good to be back. I'm proud that I am the most viewed episode of First Trade. I take pride in that. Happy to happy to hear that. Glad to be back. All right, John. So I mean, how has your I mean, since we've last hung out, how's your trading been? How's this past week been treating you? Uh, trading's been going well. Uh, I'm I've been green for the most part. It's been so slow. Um, I think with all the Dogecoin craziness, you know, a lot of traders have been looking at Dogecoin and looking at those markets and kind of taking the attention away from normal stocks, but it's been profitable enough. Uh, you know, it's not always going to be a really exciting time in the market. Sometimes it's just going to be slow. And part of trading is learning when not to trade, you know, if that makes sense. And so uh, it's been a slower time, less trades, but overall it's gone okay. Hell yeah. Already dropping knowledge on us. I mean, I think that's a good piece of advice to like, yeah, sure. like, I, I feel like all the good traders know when to, you know, take a break and enjoy life. And they know when the right time is to like dig deep and, and go out the market, you know? So uh, there you go. That's a little nugget of knowledge. Deep wisdom. Out there. Nice one. Man. Hey, hey, that's right. That's right. Yeah. The audience wants to know about, about charting, reading charts. Um, and last time we, we talked about the VWAP a little bit and how it's your favorite indicator. Um, right. I think what was wanted was a little bit more of an in-depth look at how to actually trade using the VWAP. So would you so kindly you know, show us how to do this? Of course, of course. It's my favorite thing ever. Uh, I love trading the VWAP and yeah, we can break it down. Um, okay, so you can see this purple line right here. Uh, number one, this is the VWAP right here. Um, what it really does, if you're a new trader, is it helps you to judge the sentiment and the trend of a stock like on an intraday basis on that specific day. Uh, and so for beginners to understand it and how to use it, the first thing you wanna look at is whether the stock is above it or below it. You know, that's kind of the first step to, uh, that's kind of the first step of analyzing, you know, the sentiment and trend of the stock. Like if you think it's strong or weak, basically. Um, for an example, if it's above the VWAP, it's seen as a upward trend with a strong sentiment. If it's below the VWAP, uh, it's seen as a downward trend or, or in a weak sentiment, if, if that makes sense. Uh, to go over some examples, I have one here from BNGO, and you can look at this one from yesterday. And you can see, you know, it opened up kind of below the VWAP, which again is this purple line. And then when it crossed over the VWAP, it maintained over that level, you know, throughout the rest of the day. And so this one maintained that upward trend throughout the rest of the day. Uh, and every time it pulls back to it, like here and here, you know, a lot of traders are buying these dips, basically betting that it's going to continue this upward trend. Uh, we could look at it from the other side as well. If we go to today, really, for BNGO, uh, it started off and tried to break over it, but then it broke underneath this purple line. And again, it's maintaining a downward trend. And so a lot of short traders really are shorting into these pops if there's shorts available for this one, at least. And you can see, you know, it just maintains this downward trend. And so I think that's the start of understanding the VWAP is just identifying which, uh, where the stock is relative to the VWAP. Is it above it or below it? And then that's basically the sentiment of the stock at that point in time.
Okay, so I, I off the line, I already have a couple of questions. Sure. So basically when it when the stock is trading sideways, is that something people do? Like if, if it's trading sideways and it's kind of hard to tell where it's going, then do you use like the VWAP as a reference whether or not to try and trade it a little bit since it's like on an upward or downward trend? That's exactly right. So so if uh, I have an example of that here too. So great question. Uh, I'm going to go back to the 31st because this was the most kind of self-evident example that we could find. Um, if you look at BNGO here, you know, a, a lot of traders get really confused with the VWAP. They'll say, hey, the stock I'm trading, it just crosses over and over, over and under and it doesn't respect it. What the VWAP's telling you there is that it's neutral, it's sideways, and it might not be the best to trade, you know, unless, you know, you have some type of really specific system around trading neutral or sideways trends, which not many traders do. But it is, like you said, if it is sideways and if a, if a stock is just crossing over and under it and over and under it, that might be a signal that it's too sideways and choppy to trade. And you might want to look look at something a little bit more volatile or something that is maintaining a more obvious trend to kind of attack with your trading. Gotcha. Now, like, so for example, what I'm kind of thinking is if you see it going on that, you know, horizontal pattern there, you're not going up or down. How long do you give it before you start to look for something volatile? Like, at, at what point do you realize, like, okay, this thing's just moving sideways. There's no catalyst. We're moving on to something else. I, it all depends on this trading system. It's really subjective in that way, just because, like, I like trading the first two hours of the day. Um, and so for me, I'm watching a bunch of other charts at the same time. And most of the stocks I'm watching are not going to be favorable. You know, we might have, if I'm watching 10 charts, two out of those 10 might look good enough to trade because I just have a really specific criteria of stuff I look for. Like I want to see good volume, you know, over 200,000 shares traded per minute. I want to see it uh, respecting the VWAP and, and maintaining a specific trend. Uh, and then I want to, you know, there's also some fundamental, you know, criteria that I want to see like float size and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, every stock's not going to respect it. But usually what happens is that you'll have stocks and sectors, like you'll have sectors that start to pop off and that entire sector will trend and, and bring volume and volatility to it. So like today, I think we had NFTs. So we had like OCG, um, you know, and you can see all morning OCG maintained over the VWAP and looked really good. Um, and then we had TKAT. So you'll have sectors that start to pop off and you can kind of see they're maintaining over this VWAP level. And, and you know, another thing is that the more volume that the stock has, the better it's usually going to maintain that type of trend. Because, you know, in order for a stock to maintain above the VWAP, you have to have buyers in there. They're actually buying it to keep it up there because if not, it's just going to drop. Uh, and then the same thing, if it's below it, you got to have sellers or shorters that are in there keeping it down. Um, so volume is absolutely crucial in kind of identifying which setups and stocks look the best on that day. Makes sense. So I have a question. It's kind of related. Um, on our last episode, we had Shamar Anglin joining us. Um, and that was pretty interesting, too. We were definitely looking at a bit of charting. And he was talking about how he uses kind of a unique indicator that not a lot of people do called the SAR or the parabolic SAR. Have you ever used that? And I ha you haven't? I've never used it. No, I never used it. Uh, okay. I'm more I'm I'm a purist though, so I only use the VWAP and, and my own self-drawn support and resistance lines. And so I, you know, one thing in trading is that people can make a lot of different things work that I can't. And so if they can make it work, they can make it work. It's just not something that I've ever used really. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where really with the VWAP, you're just trying to judge sentiment. So it's like if if uh, if the stock's maintaining above it really obvious, then it's that upward sentiment. 
Uh, same thing if it's below it, it's that downward sentiment. But then it's also like uh, stocks, it's a milestone level, especially with penny stocks. And so if a stock will open up uh, underneath it, for instance, let me see. Uh, yeah, so if a stock opens up underneath it, let's look at like YVR here, I think I just talked about. Uh, my favorite strategy to use with these is when a stock actually opens up below that VWAP level. It opens up down here. Uh, this is a trade I took a while back, and, and I look for it to open up weak, like open up below the VWAP, and then I wait for it to cross over that VWAP level. You know, and that it's important for it to do that because other traders see it. You know, and one of the reasons VWAP works is because so many other traders are using it and in turn basing their trades around it. So it's like they're they're playing off of it a little bit more. And so that way more buyers come in where you want them to come in because more traders are using it uh, as opposed to like a moving average where there's so many different variations of moving averages. There's the nine, there's the 12, there's the 20, the 50. Um, and so, you know, you got a group of traders that are trading off of each individual one with the VWAP. There's only one or two different variations of it. And so it's just a really respected level with short term trading, I think, or it's a really respected indicator with short term trading. And so what I do is I wait for the stock to cross over it like this. And you can even see the volume come in when that happens. Like if you look down here, you can see the volume here. And so I look for it to open up weak, cross over that VWAP, and then I buy these pullbacks to it right here. So like I try to enter these like right here on the pullback to the VWAP, if that makes sense, and then ride it up for this bounce. Um, now, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And this type of strategy is called a lot of different things. Uh, I've heard it called rent to green move, ABCD, you know, washout long. There's a lot of different names for it. But um, but yeah, using that VWAP as that milestone level works really well for my style of trading, just because so many other traders are watching it and buying when it finally breaks over that. They're seeing it as kind of this big milestone in that stock's movement. Interesting. So it sounds like a lot of this depends on like other people reading the same kind of chart and then jumping on the, the same kind of train. Like it has to be almost a group movement in order for there to be any like upgoing trajectory, it sounds like. Right, exactly. And that's what a lot of technical trading is. It's just what other people see. Um, like a lot of technical trading, like support and resistance is how obvious or self-evident that support and resistance is. Because if it's really obvious and you have a lot of other traders that are seeing it as well, they're more likely to respect that level and and buy it when it pulls back to like a support level you know they're more likely to respect that level and see it and so in turn it, it's usually has a high it usually has a higher probability of actually holding because of that if that makes sense yeah and one other like quick thing about that too so are, are you watching these like during pre-market or during normal trading hours when's the when's the biggest amount of time that you're going to put focus into watching these um, so I watch them in pre-market and I usually build a watch list and a lot of the time that'll develop around just the big gappers of the day. Like today we had OCGN and you can see like this is pre-market from today here. So we look in pre-market and we just look for uh, volatility, volume and movement. Um, OCGN here had really good volume this morning and so a lot of other traders were watching it and that'll kind of give me an idea of whether I want to trade it or not. Um, I think a lot of new traders get in trouble because they trade really low volume moves. You know, regardless of what like time frame they're trading, they trade really low volume moves and volume is just super important for any type of technical trading because you got to have other traders that see it and, and want to play off of it as well. Um, and so like volume is absolutely crucial. Uh, and so you can see this one, even at the opening bell, it had like 1.2 uh, million shares traded per minute. Um, and, and like I said, my, my, minimum is like 200,000, 
but uh, a lot of traders will get into trouble because they'll just trade really low volume moves. And especially in markets like this, it can get really boring and they'll start trading lower volume uh, stocks just because, you know, they're bored. Is that a boredom? But, uh, but yeah. That's as good a reason to trade as any, right? <laughs> right, for sure. Hey, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go over, like, Rohan, I know we wanted to talk about, like, support and resistance. Yeah. Like, how, so, how does that factor into this? So you mentioned it a little bit earlier in the discussion, um, sure. but could you go over how you, because you said you use this and then you draw your own lines. So can you show us how you draw your support and resistance? Sure, sure. So with support and resistance, uh, it, it's like I said, you, you want to look at the most obvious levels uh and so if we look at bngo here for instance um it the first thing you want to understand about support and resistance is that where you're analyzing it is going to depend on the type of trade you're getting into so like if you're scalping like i am the more recent support and resistance levels are going to be the most uh are going to be the most valid and respected levels because you're short-term trading um, if it's a longer term trade, like if I'm getting into a longer term day trade or a swing trade, then I want to look at a longer term chart. So I look at like a daily chart or a weekly chart. But because I'm scalping, uh, I just want to look at, you know, recent levels. So a lot of the time I'm looking for like big highs like this in pre-market. And so you can see like if we draw a line here on BNGO, you know, you can see it test this level multiple times. And that's just because it's such an obvious level. Like you can see this big top up here. All the other traders see this level as well. And so what happens is that like you can see the high right there. When this thing moves up, people start taking profit because they're scared this is going to reject it. And so what happens, it goes up here and in turn, it rejects it and it comes back down. Um, when we And this is from, again, people taking profit at this level. Uh, the same thing happens here. We finally break over it. And, and the common logic with technical trading is that previous resistance turns into support and vice versa, previous support turns into resistance. And so, you know, it, it confirmed it here, which is, this is what we call a confirmation, which means it just respected the same historical level. Um, when we finally break over it, now that level is kind of turning into support. It was previous resistance and you can see it pulls back to it here, bounces back to here, bounces um, and kind of, you can, wait, I lost the level, uh, but you can kind of see how you can base trades around these really confirmed levels you know, if it finally breaks up here, a lot of traders are buying this pullback, you know, just because they're assuming this is going to hold it up as support, if that makes sense. Uh, and so it might seem a little bit confusing, but um, you just want to look for the most obvious levels, the, the levels that most other traders see, because those are the levels that most traders are basing their trades off of. And, and so again, if you look at this, it was resistance here. It's a really obvious level. It's the pre-market high, which is a really respected and obvious level. Uh, so when we finally run all the way back up to that, it gets rejected and pulls back pretty majorly because, again, most people are taking profits. People are using this as a profit target. And so when it finally gets up here, they're taking profits, which causes the stock to drop. Uh, and then it finally breaks over it, pulls back, and kind of the cycle continues. It's something that you condition yourself to kind of look at and see, and you just got to condition yourself through repetition to just look at it and see it over and over and over again um, until it becomes a little bit more, you know, second nature. Uh, but yeah, and you, you know, there's, there's a few major levels that traders will usually use, especially day traders, like day traders, a lot of the time will look at the pre-market high. So, you know, they'll look at this level right here, um, which is just the high of pre-market. Um, another level they'll look at is the previous closing price. So if we look at, uh, I have this study here. So this is the previous closing price. This is where the stock closed yesterday. 
And so it's the level essentially where uh, a stock will go from red to green on the day. If it breaks above this, it's technically green on the day. And if it breaks below this, it's technically red on the day. And so that'll give it some sway as well because other traders are watching it and it's a relevant kind of milestone level. Uh, and so a lot of traders are basing their trades around it. And you know, you'll get some support here, some resistance here that you can see. Uh, but you know, you just gotta, there's a few levels that traders naturally look to, and then you just look for really obvious, like confirmed levels. Uh, so like another one, uh, you, I could see this here, which uh, really obvious low right here. Um, if we zoom in, you can see it probably touched this level like five or six times on the one minute chart, like here, 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 you know, here. Uh, and so this is a really obvious, you know, level that a lot of other traders can see. And so sure enough, it's never going to follow it perfectly, but we had a lot of support here as well, uh, resistance here, you know, and so that's just kind of how you develop different levels. Um, you don't want to go too crazy with it because it'll cloud your chart up pretty quickly, but you want to just kind of look for really major, you know, self-evident levels that you can, you know, base your trades off of. And, and the general logic is you want to find really obvious levels that other traders see as well. That makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that I try to do with the VWAP is like, I just look for sentiment changes. Uh, so if we look at, uh, I have an example, let me see. Uh, so if we look at BN, uh, I guess, yeah, we could look at BNGO. If you look at on 420, uh, wait, let me make sure I got the day right. Yeah, it's 420. If we look at 420, this one ripped up at the opening bell maintained above this. And then when it finally broke underneath it, it maintained under underneath that for the rest of the day. And so again, it's like, it's an upward trend up here. And then when it breaks underneath it, everybody's sentiment changes. Everybody sees it as weaker because it's strong at the open. Everybody sees it as strong. And then when it breaks underneath this level, the VWAP, which is like I said, a milestone level, other traders see it as weak and in turn are less confident in it. And it kind of causes uh, a sentiment change. What I, what I was curious about was like um, scalping though and, and taking profits. So how do you know and at what point do you decide like, all right, I've ridden this thing up. I've taken the ride for the green. I'm at a point where I've made enough money. When do you start feeling like it's about to go down or you're about to start riding the downtrend? When do you get out of the stock? Um, so I'm a scalper, so I might hold a stock for 30 seconds. Uh, but I think, uh, I think it's a good thing to talk about because I think a lot of new traders get stuck in this limbo where they're kind of only like buying high of the day breakouts and they're only taking profit um, on these big moves up. But like a lot of the time pullbacks are gonna be better to buy into, if that makes sense. Because like I showed you here, experienced traders a lot of the time are taking profit at major highs. So if you buy these high of the day breaks, you know, you're gonna get faked out a lot and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna fail a lot because uh, a lot of new traders only see, like the only sign of strength new traders know a lot of the time is just when it breaks a high. But a lot of the time you're gonna get faked out doing that because other traders like me and experienced traders are taking profit at these highs. Um, and so that's usually where I prefer to take profit, mostly just cause that's usually where we get these rejections here. Um, and so I might buy on a little pullback, uh, let me, um, yeah, I'll go over the example that we had on YBR. Uh, I might buy on little pullbacks, but I'm almost always taking profit at major highs. So like with this, uh, I jumped in this trade here and I took profits uh, right here. So I just buy, I just took profit at this highs. Like uh, the common saying is you take profits into strength and you, uh, and so you take profit into strength. You don't want to wait until the stock gets weak to take profit. And so usually if you're taking a longer term trade, even if you're not scalping, 
um, you just want to look for confirm like a confirmed level. Uh, what I try to teach people is like you want to look at the level where it's the most likely to fail. Uh, and it may sound a little simple, but I'm taking profits at these highs right here. Uh, another example, if you bought this pullback here, for instance, um, you know, I would take profit here at this. And, and it's hindsight trading, so it's not really exact. But what I'm trying to say is I try to take profit at previous highs or at least before them, right around them or before them, because so many other traders are going to be selling once we get to these highs. Like here's this high. So many other traders see this, and so they're going to try to take profits as well there. Um, and so there's a lot of different nuances to it, but I'm usually trying to take profit at previous high days or at least right before. What is like a percentage increase that you see or like, okay, I'm satisfied with that. I'm going to take my win here. Um, so I don't really go by percentage increase. Uh, what I do go by is um, risk reward, right? So what I try to do is like I use a one-to-one -one risk reward ratio. Uh, and so you and that's a lot of traders are going to say that's a bad ratio they're they're going to say i should shoot for you know two to one or three to one reward to risk um with scalping it's a little bit different and so there's there's a direct correlation between accuracy and risk and reward you could be really accurate with a one-to-one -one ratio and still be profitable and you can be not that accurate with a 50 percent rate uh, you know accuracy rate and still be really profitable if you're having a good enough risk reward um, with scalping, I'm just using a one-to-one -one ratio. So it's like if uh, if this is my risk right here at 410, and I enter this one at 420, um, you know I might take profit at 430 and get out at 410. And so my my reward is 10 cents and my risk is 10 cents. And so that way it's break even, and I'm basically making my money with good accuracy. You know, good accuracy is what kind of carries the system. Where if I had a tighter risk there, say I had 415 as a risk. Um, right here. So I say I jumped in at 415 and I had 430 uh, as a reward target. Or say I jumped in at 415, had that 410 risk, so a five cent risk, and then had that 10 cent reward target up to uh, 425, then I would have a two to one reward to risk ratio. And it might get a little bit confusing, but uh, my point is I use a break even reward to risk ratio. So I'm trying to at least make back what my risk is in that trade. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I it, it was nice um, hearing that example and kind of visualizing it because part of my brain wasn't even thinking about the risk being like what it was previously sitting at and call, can fall back to, you know? Right, um, right. So uh, thanks for, for that. Quick yeah. question. So this is, this is much more of a zoomed out question and more so relative to day trading in general. And I wanted to ask you because like you obviously day trade quite a bit and I don't. So... I think like way back in episode one, I asked the question of taxes to Mike Murray, right? Um, obviously, when you're thinking about like long-term holds, you're, you know, you can pay long-term capital gains, let's say a lower tax, or say you're just holding and you're like not even into stock trading that much and say you have a in retirement account, right? You're getting like the best tax advantage there. But my question is, as a day trader, because, you know, you're making those short trades you're paying short-term capital gains tax of what 30 40 percent almost um there's like a certain element of like i feel like you have to be confident enough in your ability to day trade of course some people just do it for fun and figure it out but what i mean is you have to be confident enough in your ability to day trade that you know that you can make i don't know in excess of that percentage right like say you make right. 100k and you're paying 30k to taxes then that's worth it because like you made the whatever on top of that right. um I don't know, like, so for you, what what's your philosophy there, I guess? Um, so, so with day trading, it takes a long time to really be successful. Uh, 
it's very difficult uh, is what I always try to tell people. It's extremely difficult. Most people are going to fail at it. Uh, and, and so it's one of those things where I always try to tell people like this, if you're struggling, you shouldn't be day trading. Like if you're, if you're hurting financially and don't have that much money, like I get people that come to my stream and they're struggling and, and you know, they're, they're low on income. And I always tell them the last thing you want to do is day trade. Um, day trading is something like if you're comfortable with whatever you have right now, and you have some extra money and you want to learn a skill, you know, shoot, go for it. But if you're struggling, don't do it because it's extremely difficult. Um, most people are going to fail at it, certainly. And it's something that takes most people years to learn. Like if I could go back in time, I don't know if I would learn day trading first, but, uh, but it is a profitable thing and it can be really profitable with taxes though, with it, it's, uh, there's a lot of different nuances to it. Like there's the wash sale rule, which is, uh, if you're trading the same stocks, you can't write off on your losses. If you trade the same symbol over and over again, and you've previously had a win and a loss on that symbol. Uh, and so there's a lot of nuances with taxes. Ask your CPA guys, not me, you know, uh, but, uh, <laughs> But but yeah, it's one of those things where you just got to understand what you're getting into with it. And, uh, you know, it, it really is going to depend on personality. Um, like I'm really skeptical as a whole. I'm a skeptical person. I'm, I'm skeptical of all these stocks I'm trading. Uh, and I don't I don't trust the long term viability of any of them. Uh, and so in turn, I take very short term, quick trades and try not to uh, hold anything overnight. Um, but, you know, somebody else that's more patient and, and you know, more uh, somebody that looks into these companies a little bit more and prefers fundamental analysis, they probably will enjoy, you know, uh, longer term trading or investing. But with day trading, I'm just in and out. I don't have to worry about it overnight. I don't have to worry about things going sour on me overnight. Uh, and it's one of those things that it's just fits my personality the best, you know. That's nice. And that's got to be one of the biggest things, too, is like I know so many traders, you know, like me included. If you're in a stock or you're in a position and like, you know, something happens in Beijing or it happens in Hong Kong overnight and you're screwed when you wake up, like that's a terrible feeling to wake up to in the morning. You're starting off the morning red, like your charts already, it's your charts already broken. Like it's not a fun feeling. So it is kind of nice, you know, turn it off at night, start back up the next morning. I, I do kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely enjoy it. It's good. I can, I, I finish my day at like, at like 11 o'clock in the morning, most of the time, 11 or 12. Uh, and so then I can kind of hang out and I have other, you know, stuff I do as well, but uh, it, it's a nice, you know, nice few hours of work in the morning. It can be a stressful few hours, but it's a good few hours though. That's um, awesome. Hell yeah. That's yeah. awesome. All yeah. right, John. Well, uh, I mean, that's kind of all the questions I had for you. Uh, did you, was there anything else that we missed that we should cover? Um, let me see. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's basically it. Um, again, like we could look at longer term, I guess I could look at longer term support and resistance just to show you guys a, a little bit more broad example uh, of this. Um, uh, so it, to look at a longer term example, like if you're taking a longer term day trade here, here's, uh, you could look at the longer term chart and it's the same logic. It's the same concept that we just looked at for support and resistance. You know, you want to look for really obvious levels on the longer term chart. This is a daily chart. So every candle equals one day. Um, and so for instance, the obvious level that I can see that kind of sticks out on YVR here is 250. You know, you can see 250. Um, and another thing I, I also wanted to say this, it's never going to fall in line exactly to your level. Like it's never going to touch exactly off of that level. What you want to do is you want to see, you want to, you want to have a range. So instead of looking for it to hit exactly this level, you can kind of look at it like this, like anything within, you know, um, like this right here, 
maybe that's a little bit too high. Anything within uh, this range. So it might not be exact, but like anything that falls within this, uh, you know, you could consider to be that same kind of support and resistance area, if that makes sense, like this, because it's never going to hit the exact same. So you just want to find the most confirmations, we call it, the most, uh, the most touches to that specific area and then find the most obvious level kind of in between those. Um, the other thing I do is look at half and whole dollars. And so you'll see a lot of the time I'm looking at like 250, three dollars, 350. But it's because I think we talked about it last time, they're big psychological levels. So it's like other traders naturally watch whole dollars and half dollars like that. And so if you look at the chart, you know, a big level is 250. It's gone up to that a bunch of times, come back down. Um, you can even see like $3 right above it right here. It has this big level here that's been touched a bunch of times as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, you got to look at it from, there's a lot of different ways you got to look at support and resistance to come up with like which ones you're going to analyze and watch. But uh, you get the hang of it the more you do it. You get the hang of it the more you kind of condition yourself to. Awesome. Well, yeah, no, that that, that was that was awesome. And I, and I appreciated the little um piece of advice which was obviously don't look directly at the line but kind of around it not everything's perfect um right. so so thanks for sharing that uh, yeah, sure. john amazing episode hey. amazing conversation learned a lot in this short little bit of time um i'm sure mike would say the same and uh as always appreciate you coming on being our first ever repeat guest which is just uh so awesome glad to be glad to be at episode 10 um yeah. and i'm i'm sure that after this conversation, our audience will have some more questions and, and uh, hopefully we can have you back on. Yeah, hey, I'm proud to be here. It was fun. I'm glad to be the first returning guest. Y'all are moving though with episodes, episode 10. You have an approach to it that's so, you know, take it take it for what it is. You're not like trying to overhype it or sell it, but you're also, um, you know, give you enough information so that we can be informed when we're doing this, right? you enjoy day trading but that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone and i love that you're you know kind of pushing that idea in the sense that like just take it for what it is you know you there's a lot you can learn with it there's a lot you can do but it's also risky all right john well we'll let you go but appreciate you coming and hanging out for a bit all right see you guys see you next time thanks see john time. see you man later guys beginner trading that was pretty sick yeah john london dude he's always a good guest he's awesome breaking down dude, the charts. he's like the best He's so he's so chill. He knows his stuff. Dude, I feel okay, like you know we have other guests. You can't say the best. Okay, we'll make other listen, feel I am the I am the YouTube equivalent of the dad that goes to like every single one of his sons and goes, "You're my favorite son." That's how I feel about <laughs> guests. <laughs> like you are all the best. Yes. Very well, nice. We do have we do have the best guests. I'll give it that. We've had some really we've had some amazing guests. Mike, how's the portfolio looking? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the beginning. Torchlight is up for the time being. I think it was up like 12% today at the end of the day. So not great. I mean, yeah, I, did I did I YOLO everything into Dogecoin early this week? Yes, I did on Monday. Threw a fat chunk into Dogecoin. Totally worthless. What a shitty Tuesday. Totally. Surprise, motherfucker. Obviously, like today was a real shit show because of the uh, the capital gains taxes going up. Um, we did see also a bump a little bit because Biden announcing um that he was going to do more green energy investment so we saw some yeah well he kind of outweighed that announcement with his announcement about 40 yeah. capital gains did he, he was like i'll bring it up psych yeah he kind of slow played us all there but yeah we uh definitely definitely got punched so uh so yeah it's been fun it's been a fun yeah day. what are you gonna do what are you gonna do huh yeah you know it's all good
That was a weird that, impression, yeah, but well, as always, ending on an awkward note from Rohan. I think we'll uh, take it out from here. Thank you. Perfect. That's just kidding, folks. For. Of course, we wouldn't let you go without saying first: hit the like button, subscribe. What are you doing? Hit the notification bell for the First Trade playlist. Check it out. First Trade on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You know what it is. Folks, also, Discord, pretty cool app, right? Guess what? You can go on there and you can join our server and you can talk to us and ask your questions and you can decide what the next First Trade episode is going to be about. So why not join? Seems pretty easy to me. Last little thing, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And with that... Uh, uh, now my name is Rohan, sold to, yeah, and Michael um, needs to take a nap. So, bye. <laughs> Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.